Good morning. Um, before I begin, I want to say a word of prayer, and uh, it's fine, don't worry about it. Uh, I want to say a word of prayer and just ask that God would be a part of what happens at this point. Don't we need that? Right? We don't want just some guy to get up here and talk to you. We need to have the Spirit of the Lord come and be present in the words that are said, but then how it's received. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this day. I thank you that we are here. Lord, I would ask now that your spirit would be present in this room, uh, in my heart as I speak, in the hearts of those that listen. Lord, I pray that through all of this that Christ would be magnified uh, through this, this passage of Scripture that we're dealing with. Lord, I just ask that you would lift yourself up high and that we would not miss the important things in this passage. Lord, I pray this now in Christ's name. Amen. We've been covering Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 24. We've had two sermons already, um, one uh, on April the 10th and then one again last week. There's so much here, and I'll be honest with you, this Luke 10, 1 through 24, I could have covered this in one week, very surface level, and it would have been great, but I just, the more I looked at this passage, the more I realized that there are depths that we can mine in here. There's some real nuggets of truth just golden pieces of, and ideas of things in this passage, and I thought, I just don't want to miss these things. Also, just, you know, just to be completely transparent, as a church, there are more people in this building that have been, than there have been in years, and I just go, you know what, God is moving in this situation, and I go, you know what, what I, I, th- this passage is just so timely. This sending out of the 72 that Christ does is, it's like the rudiments, the, just the, the, the roots of what eventually becomes the church. And there's so much that we can learn about what we're to be, what you're to be, what I'm to be, what we are to be in this world from this passage. And I just don't want to miss any little part of it. Two weeks ago, <clears throat> when we read this, uh, one of the things that we looked at first is right at the beginning uh, in Luke chapter 10, 1 through 24, we looked and realized there's labor to be done and the Lord will accomplish it. Okay, so there's, and you'll hear that when I read through this passage, you're going to hear that again. There's labor, there's work to be done and the Lord will accomplish it. The Lord very much looks out upon the fields and says they are white for harvest. And then he says to pray and that's what we're to do. We're to pray to the Lord of the harvest. He is the Lord of the harvest. We're to pray to him to bring workers into this harvest. Not guilt trip you into it, but pray to the Lord that he will bring workers into this harvest. For me, that was a huge piece of conviction. This is not in my notes that I have not been praying enough. And so that, that particular, even I don't care if anybody else was here that week, that was me. I said, Lord God, I have not been praying the way I ought to. Um, I think that this idea is beautifully illustrated in the sending out of the 72, not just the 12, but of the sending out of the 72. That's not just this elite group. And in fact, I love that because for those of you that are new, those of you that are here know that our mantra, right? Our mantra is, what is it? I'm a complete idiot, but my future is incredibly bright and anybody can get in on this. Right? I love that last part. Anybody can get in on this. And that's the thing, that getting in on this is not just getting in on this on a surface or outskirts level, but it's right in the depths of what God has for you. Anybody can get in on this glorious gospel. What a great thing that is. Last week, as we dug into what this work looks like, Jesus says he expands on this, there are some takeaways that I had about what this work looks like, and I called it ministry, okay? This ministry that we all do, not just me, all of us that we do, what does it look like? And the first element we saw in our passage was ministry is like poor pilgrims, but wholly dependent on God for provision, right? And you can see that in that text. If you missed last week, I would encourage you to get that online. You can listen to it. Um, Second, we saw Ministry is like harvesting laborers. It's work, okay? And much, much of the time, it feels like harvesting laborers, yet wholly dependent on God for the produce. Notice I changed the 
word there. I did, did say results, but I wanted to be real pastorly this week, and so I had, every word's got to sound the same or something. You know. um, then third, follow my trend, ministry is like, and this was the tough one. This was the tough one that we wrestled with Wednesday night again, and this, I don't think we're done wrestling with this, but ministry is like, literally, it says it very clearly, ministry is like sheep among wolves, and I know some of our our kids were just, just from that very thought, they're imagining those uh, uh, nature videos. Can you imagine a sheep among wolves? It's not a pretty sight, okay? But that's exactly what Jesus says. Ministry is like sheep, sheep among wolves, but we're to be wholly dependent on God for protection because he is our great shepherd. Now, as we dig a little bit further into this passage, before I read it, I'm, gonna do, I'm just going to tell you the outline of what I got today. Number one... I'm going to give some context, okay? What we're going to talk about next, what Jesus mentions next, this little nugget of truth, this golden nugget of truth that is in this passage needs some context to really get a hold of what it's all about, okay? So we're going to do some context. The second thing I'm going to do is I'm going to read through our, our current passage with a little bit of exposition, okay? So the context is going to be a big chunk of what I do today, a little bit of exposition, and then at the very end, we've got one key point, okay? Um, this is why I've had to break this up into so many, because there's, there's so much to really grasp what this is about. So when I say context, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give you a hint of how far back I'm going to get context, okay? So we're, we're going way back to get some context, okay? Trust me, this is important to understand what he says. Listen to this. We're going way, way back when God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him Male and female, he created them, and God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the, hev of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And there's a lot of things we could talk about in there, but notice this one key part that he says, be fruitful and multiply. And this is not just about having children, but the image of God, them as the bearers of the image of God were to fill the earth with God's image, okay? That's the key there. It's not just about having children. It's about the world was given so that these people would infiltrate every part of it being bearers of God's image, representing God on this earth. Man, of course, falls, you know. Sin covers the earth to such a degree that God says, uh, I'm going to destroy the world by a flood. He uh, then has favor on one man, Noah. The Bible says God had favor on him. And in that favor, Noah walked with God. And through him, there's a godly remnant that is rescued in the ark. After, right afterwards, that command is reestablished. Genesis 9-7, and you... Noah and your kids, you be fruitful and multiply and increase greatly on the earth and multiply in it. The whole world be full. You bear the image of God every place. Okay? This is this idea, this rudimentary thought of what we are to be. Now, as people do, in fact, we, we get onto teenagers for doing this, but we all do it to some degree. How often have you had a teenager do exactly the opposite? The one thing that you said, don't do this one thing, that's the one thing that they do. Okay? Now, all of the parents were going, just now going, mm-hmm. And some of you were even looking at some of your teenage children out of the corner of your eye. Mm-hmm. Right? It's true. We're all like this. And this is exactly what all of humanity did. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. There's the first problem. Uh, we want to make a name for ourselves. It's not about spreading the name of God as we want to make a name for ourselves. And then listen, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole. That's exactly the one thing. I feel like God, can you just imagine? That's the one thing I said to do and that's the one thing they go, we're not going to do that. We don't want that to happen. And that's the one thing God said, do. And they came together and said, we don't want that. We don't want to do that. God then, of course, disperses them from the Tower of Babel. And among that dispersion of people, a few generations later, God selects again one man, Abram. 
Now listen to this. This is so fascinating. Because even though this, he, he's, he's promised I'm not going to destroy everybody again, but in the midst of this, these people that have been forcefully dispersed, and they're not doing it the way God has called them, they're not bearing the image of God out to the world, the one thing that they ought to be doing, they're not doing, and God selects Abram. And listen to what he says. This, this, this next thing is so fascinating because you're going to hear in this next thing for Abram, who we know as Abraham, the call that he has is going to be very reminiscent of the call of a missionary. Okay, listen to it. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. Blessing to who? Everybody else. I will bless those. Keep these, by the way, this next statement. Keep these words, like make mental note here because you're going to hear something very similar to this in our passage in Luke. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now do you hear in there, there's a slight adjustment of how this image of God is to be brought to the world. Instead of just wiping out everybody, God this time says, I've got you, Abram, you're going to go, and you're going to be a beacon. And who you bless will be blessed those who curse you, those who reject this, keep these ideas in mind, they will be cursed. There's one thing that God has for him, and he's meant to be this bearer of the image of God again to the world. Now, there's something in here, though. Notice, I will make of you a great nation, he said. God's call for Abraham is not that much different than the call of a missionary, except there are borders implied, a nation. The people of God end up down in Egypt. If you know the story of the Old Testament, you end up down in Egypt. I'm obviously skipping over so many things I could be talking about. They end up down in Egypt, and then along comes Moses. You have the plagues that, that free, ultimately through those, God uses those. Ultimately, a lot of people go, was he just making the Egyptians miserable? No, he is showing, I'm God, there's no other. There's one God in this world. I am God, there's no other. And then you hear this even spoken of in Exodus 9, chapter 14, or Exodus chapter 9, verse 14. For this time I will send all my plagues on you yourself. This is where he's talking to the Egyptians, the Pharaoh, but to all the people ultimately, and on your servants and your people, so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. There's some knowledge implied, a need to know, and this what I'm doing is so that you'll know something. It's repeated again. In fact, he says, for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. Amazing side note. Here we are thousands of years later, and we still know of this exodus and the plagues, and we proclaim God is great in what he did. That was fulfilled. Interesting, though. Part of that purpose was so that they would know. And I want to tell you right now, some of those Egyptians, I think, saw the overthrow of their gods by this God and believed. You hear it in Exodus chapter 12. When the Israelites left, there was a mixed multitude also went up with them. Some of those Egyptians, I believe, I believe what happened there is they saw these gods are not God. There is one God. Why would I stick with this when the real thing is here? And they left with the children of Israel. Exodus, as we continue on, the Israelites themselves are to be what Abraham was to be. This is still continued. If you go to Exodus chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, He's talking to them. He says, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. But listen to this. Don't miss this. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That This idea that on this earth, this, these people are to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, and you get over and over again, and I'm going to share some more passages that talk about this, that they were to be a light to the world. Eventually, there's a king in Israel, King David, 
And when he's first instituted as king, you start to get glimpses that there's something bigger God is going to do. And he talks about, from you, David, I'm going to, because David wants to build God a house, a temple, because he had been in this tabernacle. And David says, I want to build you a house. And God says to him, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Right? He says, you're not going to build me a house. I'm going to build you a house. Your house, and from you, there's going to be this king that comes, and partially, in some ways, it gets fulfilled in Solomon, but you hear some things in there about this king that's coming from David, where there's things like, he will reign forever across the whole earth. Solomon didn't do that. Solomon's reign ended, but the king that came, King Jesus, is the one that came from that line of David. But now, listen to the psalmist. I think that part of this starts to slip through this concept that as the people of God, this this nation was to be a light to the world, a beacon. Let me read a couple of psalms to you. I'm going to read them in their entirety, a few of them, okay? I'm, I'm going to keep myself from doing a bunch of exposition on each one of these. I just want you to hear them, soak in what it's saying, maybe write these down, read these later. Psalm 67 will be the first one I read. The psalmist writes, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth. Okay, I said I wasn't gonna do exposition. I have to throw something in there. Uh, Think about that. This this hope that God's blessing, but no, I got the wrong thing up there, don't I? There we go. The hope of God's blessing was not just God may be gracious to us and bless us and make your face to shine upon us because we really want to have a great time and take big vacations and everything to go smooth and we don't want anybody to be sick. It's not about that. You see the direction that the psalmist goes. This peace of God. We want your peace to be on us and the purpose is so that people will see this. That's the purpose. Not that I would spend what God gives me on myself, but that I would be able to display the goodness of God in the world. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let the ends of the earth fear him. There's this idea that, God, as we pray for your blessing in our lives, it's not for us, but so that your name will be great. Remember, we sing that song just a minute ago, Christ be magnified. This is is at the heart of what it is to be an image bearer of God, going all the way back to being to fill the world with his greatness. I think many of us forget that, don't we? And live for ourselves and forget the grander, greater picture of your purpose in this earth. Let me read another one, Psalm 96. We'll sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations. These are the Israelites. Within their borders, they're still to be saying among the nations. The Lord reigns. Yes, the world 
is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult in everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord he come for before the Lord for he comes for he comes to judge the earth he will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness this is for all people Last one Psalm 98 1 through 3 Oh sing to the Lord a new song for he has done marvelous things his right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him the Lord has made known his salvation He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Not to mention here, if I had time, I would. Not to mention the work of Jonah, who God sends outside of Israel. The healing of Naaman. And even when Israel falls, the work of Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and eventually even a king of another pagan country declaring the glory of God, King Nebuchadnezzar. In Isaiah, that image starts to get clear that the way God is going to bring this light to the nations was going to be bigger than those boundaries of Israel. There were so many I could choose from Isaiah. I, even now, I'm like, oh, there's so many others. I wish I would have picked, but this is the one I picked. Isaiah 42, thus says, the, thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. I am the Lord. I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations to open the eyes of the, that are blind Some of this might ring a bell as to what John the Baptist, when Christ was coming, said this is what's going to happen with Christ. It's going to be fulfilled in Jesus. Where Israel, frankly, failed, Christ would win. And the world would see. Open the eyes that are blind to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness, I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I give to no other, nor my praise to carved idols. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Now, that was the context. There's a kingdom and a king, and where as before, fail fail, fail, fail. Christ now comes and he's going to fulfill this light to the world. Now, I'm going to read our passage, Luke 10, 1 through 12. I'm just going to read it through very quickly and then there's a couple verses I want to focus in on. But I want you to listen, just if you can, try to listen. Listen for what our role is in this kingdom. Okay? I think I can blank this out here. So just listen carefully, then I'll put up a couple passages for you. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals. Greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. Kind of sounds like Abraham, doesn't it? I lost my place. Oh, and remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. 
But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You should be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me. The one who rejects you rejects me. And the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father. Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see, for I tell you, that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Many generations had desired to see what they're seeing. We're living in the age where this is being and has been fulfilled. Let me go back to verses 5. Uh, we'll start with verse 5. Again, so much that could be dwelt on here, but I want to emphasize just a few things this week. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him, but if not, it will return to you. Now, the verse 7 there speaks a lot to that provision that God will provide, that as you exit and you go into these towns, uh, as you bring the kingdom, as people of the kingdom are there, and they receive you that God, that God will provide for you in those cases. We've talked about that a little bit already. But I want you to notice here that this greeting reflects this Hebrew concept of shalom or peace. It really says, may God be with you. When they came to a group, they said, may God be with you. They were bringing, in fact, the disciple represents the presence of God's gracious offer. Now, start digging into this about your role in now God's kingdom. Because God's kingdom, I hope you are starting to see, is borderless. In the Old Testament, there were borders, and they were to be a beacon out. Now it's different. God's kingdom goes with his people. Where you go, he goes. So much to be said here, but don't miss this. When you arrive... In every situation, your words ought to be in some way, shape, or form, may God be with you. That's what you are to be. So when we talk about what are we to be in this world, here's, here's a great foundational thought. Whatever situation you encounter, wherever you go, you are bringing with you, you ought to be bringing with you the very kingdom of God. May God be with you. And when you, do, when you do this, it's not trivial. You bring God's gracious offer. You bring the very peace of God by your presence. Obviously, we can start asking ourselves, are we doing that? Do you do that? Would people that you work with go, it's like God's kingdom arrived at work today. Some of you're laughing because I'm wondering. Some of you are like, well, not on Mondays. <clears throat> but isn't there a very real way that this, this is what? So when we go, what are we to be? We're starting to get this. This is the heartbeat of this passage right here, isn't it? 
we're emissaries of the kingdom of God. And we're to bring, we ought to be able to bring that peace in word, in deed, in such a way that they see it. Its benefits are genuine. Christ says that if one is a child of peace, so if you bring the kingdom and that person accepts, and we're talking about that receiving or rejecting in just a moment, but if there's a reception of that, there's a very real way that God's peace is transferred to them potentially for eternity. You're bringing God's peace and expanding his kingdom. I get kind of visual in my head when I start thinking about these things. And so I'm going to tell you right now, when I was thinking about this passage, I kept imagining myself like in this bubble of God's kingdom. I'm like bringing God's kingdom with me where I go. And if I bring it here, I'll use my wife as an example. If I bring it here and and this person accepts this, I'm I'm bringing the gospel message. And if someone accepts it, there's like this bloop, (laughs) right? And then I can step away and what, what happens? There's still... The kingdom is there. God's peace would rest on that person, potentially in their faith in Christ for eternity. That's what we're doing, right? Bringing the kingdom. Wherever you go, you're bringing the kingdom. And this peace that is offered is so real. Daryl Box says, the peace offered is so real that can be said to rest on a house or return to the one who offers the blessing. When it's rejected, that peace does not remain. This isn't magic. If it's rejected and you leave, the peace of God will not remain on that person. Verse 8. Whenever you enter town and they receive you. Now we're going to talk about the reality here that when you do this, if you go, okay, I got I got, I've got it. And some of you are... You already, because I know how some of you act. You go, ooh, I like this. I'm bringing the kingdom. And you're going to be doing some bloops this week. You're going to be like, I'm bringing the kingdom. I'm just bringing it wherever I go. And it's gonna, you're going to get pumped about it. I want to bring the kingdom. And maybe some of you are even thinking about people that you work with that need the peace of God to rest on their lives. And you go, man, I just want to bring it to them. Right? And so you're, you're going to get pumped. Monday, you're going to go out. You're like, okay, I wasn't the kingdom last Monday, but this Monday's different. I'm bringing the kingdom with me. And you go out, you're bringing the kingdom with you. And you know what? Here's the reality. Some will accept. Some will reject. As they did with Christ, so they will do with you. Some will hear. I love these ideas that, in fact, Paul the Apostle talks a lot about this. He, there's a time where he's, he's, he's getting ready to enter this city, and Jesus says, or Jesus says to him, God says to him, he says, there are many in this city that are my people. Basically, go find them. And sometimes it looks like this. Um, here's the gospel. And someone, if the, the sheep, what do the sheep do when they hear the voice of the Lord? They follow. And you're going to bring, some people are going to go, they're going to hear it. Maybe not immediately, but the sheep will eventually hear his voice as you bring the kingdom to them. But some will reject. Now, if this happens, notice carefully here. Whenever you enter town and they receive you, eat what is set before you, heal the sick in it, say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. Understand this. When you go and people hear, you can with confidence say, I've brought the kingdom. Not to lift yourself up, but just this reality. Like the the way the kingdom is operating, this king operates now is not within the borders of a nation, but is borderless and his people are everywhere. And the kingdom of God is everywhere. And it's expanding. And so you're bringing the kingdom with you into all these situations. The kingdom of God is all around, it, it, you're, you're bringing it with you, you're expanding it, and people can say, people may walk away and say, in fact, I would say this, there will be a day in eternity where some people will say, I encountered the kingdom, God bless that person because I encountered the kingdom through them. That's the one. I saw the kingdom, I met, the kingdom God came so near, I said, ooh, that's the real thing. But as you and I both know, that is not always how it goes. 
Jesus addresses that. Whenever you enter town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, now be careful how you say this. Okay? Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this. And this is where it gets the, this is the rubber meets the road. Okay? Know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. Even if they reject, that's what we're doing. Reality. Everyone you meet, whether they accept or reject, ought to be able to say the kingdom of God has come near. They may not admit it now, but on some, and this is why I say be careful how you say this. There will be people on judgment day where what you've done stands as a testimony against them. Because the kingdom, they encountered the kingdom through you. And that's what this passage says. The question again that starts to creep up in my mind, is that what's happening with us? That's the question. Are we really doing that? Are we bringing the kingdom of God to the world and displaying God's kingdom by your very presence in their life? Will people walk away and go, even if they don't want to admit it now, uh, someday will they have to say, I did encounter the kingdom of God through them and I rejected it. I want to jump ahead in time in a weird direction that some of you will think this is an odd direction to go, but I think it's so, so relevant for how we operate in this world. And I think some of us are slightly, it's such a slight offness, but it's hugely important. I want to go back to a guy in the year 1630. There's a guy named John Winthrop. He was a Puritan pastor. As he endeavored, he's left persecution and headed to what would eventually be America, and he gets to the Americas, and I think he eventually, they found what becomes known as Boston. There's a famous sermon that is recorded for us, and I want you to listen carefully to it. There's so many things in here that he is spot on, but he misses one point, just barely. Listen to this sermon. Now, the only way to avoid this shipwreck, and is what he's talking about, is as they head over and they, they attempt to establish what God has for them, he kind of talks about what, how it could go wrong. And he says this. He said, the only way to avoid this shipwreck and to provide for our posterity is to follow the counsel of Micah, to do justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. For this end, we must be knit together in this work as one man. We must entertain each other in brotherly affection. Which, by the way, we haven't gotten too much into this yet. This is still to come. But one of the amazing things about God's kingdom is that right now, so remember the, the bubble? You know, think about what's going on right now. This room is almost full of the kingdom. This place offers an opportunity for people to see the kingdom in action with other people, not just individuals. How we are to each other also displays the kingdom. Jesus says, you, if you love one another, then they will know. This is very important, this together element of the kingdom. When we have our opportunities to get together, when we're around each other, when we're fellowshipping together, when, when we leave and I depart, but then we come back and we're, we're together again, this room ought to be filled with the kingdom of God. says, we must be willing to abridge ourselves of our, uh, I can't even say the word, for the supply of others' necessities. We must uphold a familiar commerce together in all meekness, gentleness, patience, and liberality. We must delight in each other, make others' conditions our own, rejoice together, mourn together, labor and suffer together, always having before our eyes our commission and community in the work as members of the same body. 
So shall we keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Lord will be our God and delight to dwell among us as his own people and will command a blessing upon us in all our ways so that we shall see much more of his wisdom, power, goodness, and truth that formerly have been acquainted, we have been acquainted with. We shall find that the God of Israel is among us when ten of us shall be able to resist a thousand of our enemies when he shall make us praise. Am I on the right? Oh, no. What happened? Oh, no. Did I not get all the slides? In? It's okay. Don't worry about it. Listen, you guys can listen. You got ears. We shall find that the God of Israel is among us when ten of us shall be able to resist a thousand of our enemies when he shall make us a praise and glory that men shall say of succeeding plantations, may the Lord make it like that of New England. This is where he starts to go awry. For we must consider that we shall be... Here's some good stuff. Listen to this. You may have heard this before. We must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. So if we shall deal falsely with our God in this work we have undertaken and so cause him to withdraw his present help from us, we shall be made a story and a byword through the world. A city on a hill. Now, you know where he goes awry? Borders. Everything he says is true of God's people in the church. God's kingdom is already established. We don't need to establish one, do we? It's already established. Our king reigns. We're to bring this light to the nations, not establish a new one. I know there's many people that have talked about these things even up into our, more of our present time. In fact, Ronald Reagan uh, talked about this, and I know some of you love, love Ronald Reagan. He says, I've spoken of the shining city all my political life, but I don't know if, uh, ever quite, if I ever quite communicated what I saw when I said it. But in my mind, it was a tall, proud city built on rocks stronger than oceans. See, there's... there's He's, he's going, he's missing something. When we stop seeing God's kingdom and try to establish it ourselves, we're missing a key important element that God's kingdom has already established. Some of us need to, frankly, repent. So let me go back to the beginning. Some of us need to repent of our anger because when we bring the kingdom, we're not bringing God's kingdom, we're bringing ours. And when people tread upon us, we lose it. We're gonna take communion here in a minute and there's gonna be a wonderful opportunity to take some time and say, Lord, I need to repent of some of these things. Some of us have not been the kingdom in this world and I'm telling you, you ought to be the only hope. To, that's the thing. The only hope for people get, they get, we get all worked up. What, what about this nation? What about, I'm telling you right now, there, there's already something established. God's people are here. And his way of saving people is through the preaching of the gospel and people getting saved. It's not about changing everything up top and making everybody, everybody do what they're supposed to do. That has never worked. Ever. It doesn't, it won't, I don't even want it to. That, what a, what a, group of hypocrites we would create if we established all the right laws and everybody had to behave like Christians. Some of you go, that sounds wonderful. I say no. It's, it would be a nation of hypocrites. The way God changes is from the ground up from changing hearts of people. And it comes to the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. It comes when, when people, it's not about somebody stopping that bad behavior. You go, that's a terrible thing that's happening right now. It's not just about that. The, what needs to happen is not them change that first of all. What needs to happen is they need to believe in Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, what this passage is teaching is that the way that God does this is by us bringing the kingdom. And some of us are not doing that. We're trying to beat people up with the kingdom. And that's not how it works. 
Be, you're to be the kingdom of God, a son of peace in this world. And some of us have got to repent of our sin because we're losing it left and right. And that is not, the, the anger of man does not work the righteousness of God. And some of us, before we partake today, need to repent and say, Lord, I have not displayed my king to this world. Aren't you gracious? Aren't you grateful on how God has been to you? If he treated you the way you treat people who mess up, you would have been gone a long time ago. He's been so gracious to you. Ought you not to be displaying his grace to all others? Some of us need to repent of worry. There's a lot of fretting, a lot of distraught. There's despair over the outside world, forgetting that the kingdom of God is in you and with you. And we're not bringing the kingdom of God near in those things. We ought to recognize God's kingdom is established. And you're bringing it with you. And when you're distraught, over what's going on in this world. I tell you, there, there's a version of that that is good and godly, but there's a version of it that says, I don't know if God's really king anymore. And I want to tell you, he is. And you're his kingdom bringing it to the world. Are you doing that? Some of us are words. Is our speech a blessing to those around us? Is our very speech a blessing to those around us? Do, you, do, do people walk away and say, it's a, like a child of peace has come to me. Are you bringing God's peace with your words? If not, you ought to repent. You are God's emissaries. You're bringing the kingdom of God near. What kingdom are you displaying? Are you displaying his kingdom or your kingdom? Priorities. A lot of us have a lot of non-kingdom priorities, whether it be just establishing your own kingdom or some other kingdom. We forget the true kingdom that's already been established that we ought to be embracing and displaying for all the world. There's this amazing passage in Ezekiel 47 where um, the, the Spirit of the Lord takes Ezekiel and he takes him to the temple and out of the side of the temple, there's this little trickle of water, right? And then he says, well, let's take you so many leagues further. And he goes out further. Now it's like this wide. He says, it's ankle deep. And he goes out further and he says, it's this wide. It's like, I had to wade through. And he goes out further. It's this, it's this, it's this ever expanding. So finally he gets to this point where Ezekiel says, it was so big, it was a raging river. I could not cross. That is how the kingdom of God, it's talking about what the kingdom of God is going to be like in this world. It starts off, and it did, didn't it? Didn't it start off with a little trickle? You got 12 guys in a room. No impact on the world. And now here we are on the other side of the globe. And don't forget that God's kingdom is an unstoppable, raging river. That's the kingdom that you're in. That's the kingdom that you bring. And I tell you, God will win in the end. In the meantime, we're just to bring the kingdom. Bring the kingdom. Some of us need to repent of how we've been in our business with others. Some of us need to repent in how we've been in our relationships with others. Some of us need to repent on how we've been at school I can say that too because that's where I work. Some of us need to repent on how we've been in our neighborhoods. Some of us need to repent on how we've been as a people of God entirely. We have missed it. And I hope that you hear today, I hope that if you're here today and you say, I want to be a part of this kingdom, I hope that the peace of God comes to you right now and you say, I'm telling you what, it doesn't matter how much you've screwed up. Right? This is the amazing thing about the gracious kingdom of God. You, can, you might be sitting here going, you know what? I've been a Christian for 20 years, and I just realized today I've pretty much blown it, the whole thing. Anybody ever have a time like that? You go, I've 
pretty much screwed the whole thing up. You know what? Today is the day of salvation for you. Not, don't get me confused. I'm not saying, oh, now you can get saved. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying the salvation of God is, works in such a way that today is the day that God has ordained to reveal that to you so that you can repent and come before him and say, God, I want to do, I want to do better. I want to grow more. He's been using you all along. You, we're, you're going to mess it up again. But praise to God, he's going to continue to expand that kingdom even in your own life. And then my mental image of this, then I start thinking about that, that bubble. Some of us, our bubble's like this big, right? Not, not a whole lot of kingdom going around with us. But one of the things that God does in us is he expands us in such a way that as you grow in him, the kingdom is around you. It's there, and you're bringing it to people, and it's, it's infectious, and you, you bring it to others, and it's expanding in such a way that some of you know this because some of you, as you live for the kingdom of God, you've had people that you barely know, and they go, something different about you. Your grace, your compassion, your, 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 your love, your, your loyalty, all these, there's these elements of God's kingdom. There, there's elements that ought to be, I mean, there's elements that you go, I wish this is how it was in America today. And I'm telling you right now, it should be that way in you, first of all. And you bring it with you. You don't need it. Paul did not need the Roman Empire to change for him to be who God wanted him to be. He was the kingdom in every town he went to. And that's what you're to be. And so I'm telling you right now, if you go, I've blown it, I've messed up, I've just absolutely, you know what? We're, we're gonna just a minute, do we have music? Can we do music? We're gonna do some music. We're gonna do some music. We're gonna have a song. But we're gonna have this. I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, we're gonna have a we're gonna have a moment here. And and before you come up, so those of you that are visiting, here's how we've been doing communion. Um, I open this up. You 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 filter out. You come up here. You grab it. In fact, we've got the bread in this one. And I want to apologize in advance. My mom did not make make the communion bread, so this is not the good stuff. This is that matzah bread from our, our, our dinner the other day. So you're going to look at it. Some of you are going to be mad at me. Get over it. <laughs> For those of you that don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. You, you'll find out eventually if you meet with us enough. But I want to tell you right now, here's the thing. Before you come up, I want to encourage you to do this. This is what I want to encourage you to do. I want you to encourage you to take a minute. Are you guys going to sing a verse first? Whatever I want. I don't know what I want to do. Sing one verse first? I'm going to have them sing one verse and when they're done singing, that's your time. You can come up, grab a cup, grab some bread, go back to your seat, just hold on to both of them. But in the meantime, I want to encourage you, before, while they're singing, take a minute to say, Lord, I've blown it. Before you, God, I want to repent. I want to change my mind about how I see what I've been doing. And I want to, Lord, if, if, if at all possible, God, if I could be an emissary of your kingdom, this broken vessel... If I could just be a part of that, God, how gracious you are to give me a chance. And I'm telling you right now, anybody can be a part of this. Every single one of you in this room today can be an emissary of God's kingdom. Every single one of you can be an emissary of God's kingdom. And in fact, I believe that he might have a very specific avenue of Danville that you can reach that I will never encounter. God's got purpose for you to be his kingdom in this world. So I want to encourage you to say, Lord, I, I repent. I haven't been doing this right. I know I'm probably going to mess up again, but Lord, by your gracious will, Lord, I ask you to forgive me of what I've done and, and allow me to be a part of your kingdom and spread it in this world. Okay? Um, so after they're done, I'll come back and I'll lead you through the rest, okay? After they're done with the first verse, you can come up, grab a cup, grab some bread, have a seat, hold on to it, okay? Okay?